Good morning, dear listeners and fellow Tucsonans and anybody else because of technology that can hear us. You are listening to this month's episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. I am your hostess with the mostest, Karen Fisher, uh, technically Karen M. Fisher. That's a story in and of itself right there. Um, I have with me a very fun guest that you are going to just love, dear listeners. Her name is Sarah Michael. And um, we actually, Sarah and I actually met through an organization, which many of the listeners have heard me speak about called E-Women Network. That's where we first met. And, you know, you've been uh, a guest at our E-Women Network chapter, and you have actually been the coach to several people that I know as far as mutual. So we, I'm telling you listeners, you better get a notepad out because you've got to hold on to your bootstraps because we are going to have some fun and make some difference. So first of all, Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It is so great, but let me just give our listeners a little bit about your background. So uh, you're known as an expert in uh, feminine leadership and you are the founder. I love the name of your company called Sparkling Results. Um, and you work with women leaders to lead their lives and careers powerfully and without being pushy. And I think that that's one of the things um, that that key of powerful without being pushy is really critical because I think that, and we've had this private conversation that, that, for a while there, and especially if you were in business in the early 80s, where um, women were really trying to just be like, be a man in high heels type of thing. You know, we had uh, the shoulder pads, we had everything that was going on as far as that was happening. Um, But your background, I mean, you actually have years of uh, business experience, and I'll have you touch on that a little bit. A lot of marketing and sales. And I think what you, uh, in your journey, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'll I'll let you speak on this, but in your journey, you've discovered, and they're not right or wrong, bad or good, but there's a way that women connect that feminine side as far as sales and the way that men, and this is typical, I'm just like saying typically connect, that's more of a masculine way. And what it seems you know, one of the things that we talked about where people in general get into trouble is if they're not being their authentic self. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell us about your background. Like what, what, I mean, I know where you are now, but take our listeners through your journey. Mm, Yeah. Awesome. So thank you. Great question. And I'll unpack some of what you shared while I do. So, um, as Karen mentioned, you know, I have couple decades more of experience at this point. I was an English major in college though. And I mention that because a big part of my work is finding the words to describe hard to describe services, intangible services that I've basically been selling and marketing intangible services since forever, really. Um, And my business experience, it was the finance and it was specifically though restructurings and turnaround situations where companies were in distress. And explain to our listeners what that is, because some people don't get that. I I was totally going to. Um, It's when essentially their revenue is not meeting their expenses, 
on just a fundamental level, usually with our case, and I think a lot of cases, honestly, is, um, and I, it was an interesting marketing challenge because while the end user, so to speak, or the person who was gonna sign the engagement letter was like the CFO of the company or a position like that, we were really marketing to the lenders and hedge funds and private equity firms that love them or that have invested in them. Because usually what would happen is the investors would look out and get spooked that like, this isn't sustainable. This isn't okay. They're going to hit the wall. So they demand they hire us. Or oh. My job was to get us on the short list of three potential firms, like the, as you know, in the marketing sense. And because most of the companies didn't realize how, how, how bad it was. And there would be a lot of like pushback and weird, not fun situations, especially at the beginning, until we had enough time to produce a 13 week cash flow, which would demonstrate to them that they were going to hit the wall, either hit the wall and not be able to pay their bills or hit the wall and not be able to pay, like, let's say, what are they called? A balloon payment for the investor or, you know, where it's bigger or it's coming due or something like that. And then they'd get on board and start listening to us. <laughs> so. that, is, uh, that is amazing. Well, and I think that that, if you think about that in terms of what you're doing and what a unique thing that you've got, like the investors saying, you need to listen to them because you've got to get these sales. And then I would think that um, oftentimes because you're dealing with those businesses, you're dealing with, um, there's a lot of ego in there. A lot of times people don't want to, they don't want to admit that they're really not doing okay. Like um, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's frustrating. And, and then I would also, I'm just going to venture to guess this. You have to tell me if I'm right or not, but I've just seen for some, just on a smaller scale basis on people handling their personal finances with me being in the mortgage world, there is um, there's blaming like this. He said, she said, and we would be fine if, you know, sales would get their act together and sales would be, we would be fine if production could get their act together. And then on top of it, you end up with people just being like ostriches, just not, just, they don't even want to look at the problem. Yeah. I think a lot of the time that was the case. I think some of the time, just by their genuine reactions, I don't think they had a clue. Like, because they weren't running a 13 week cash flow, so they really didn't know, right? Because yeah, that model, the 13 week, there's profit and loss, there's balance sheets, there's all sorts of different ways you can look at a business, cut the numbers. And a 13 week cash flow is just that. And you are comparing the top part is what's coming in, and the bottom part's what's going out. And you can run that out. And usually if you run it out that 13 weeks, which is what, four, four months, essentially, um, you will, you can get a really good gauge on the health of the company. And then there were the other segment where I have a term now and I call it white collar gangsters because there was also some, well, I didn't necessarily experience it directly, but I heard tell of absolute corruption, embezzlement. And, and the reason I knew of this is any new case we had, my kind of my best friend managing partner who was here in LA with me and we were really, really close, he would wait until evening and everyone would leave and that was pretty typical for them. But then he'd walk around the accounting department and he'd open every drawer because he had learned that sometimes he would find a bunch of checks 
that had been written, then cut. So they're off of AP, they're off of accounts payable, but they weren't sent. So it's a way to game the balance or the balance sheet. Said, or oh, the, wow. you know, like the expenses and, and companies in distress. And if you think about someone individually who might be struggling with their finances, they end up at the payday loan place. Like, you know, the, the, it is that kind of like, you know, bad behavior, so to speak, because they're up against the wall. It doesn't make it okay. And in some of those cases, it was just like kind of that ostrich and they were trying to keep it together and put the band-aids on the balloon. So it didn't, or, you know, the water balloon, so it didn't leak. And I think in other cases, it was much more corrupt and something else was going on too. Wow. Fascinating work. I learned a lot. I call it my mini MBA um, because you can't do that work. And I was one of my clients when I was on the front lines at clients was really like vendor crisis communication because they were a distribution distribution company. They bought stuff and sold stuff. And they weren't going to be able to pay their bills, right? To buy the stuff, to sell the stuff. So it was a really tricky thing. Oh, and wow. Daily cash flow meetings, like a hundred grand's coming in at nine, and nine 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 is going out at four. You know, and oh, yeah, wow. and prioritizing critical vendors. Anyway, um, and it really gives you a, a wonderful, but like an astute sense of what it takes for a business to both succeed and fail. Well, and I think that um, and, and just across the board for businesses all together. Um, so, and I, I actually look at each individual family as a business in and of itself. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, and as and, and listeners, if this is your first time listening, I'm Karen Fisher and I am a mortgage banker um, with Summit Funding. And I'm just looking, okay, we're doing this virtual Zoom. Sarah, I got to show you my glass. No way. You're like, that way here. Cheers. Ever. Here we go. <laughs> this is Seriously, I had these in college and I missed them. And just last summer, I was like, I'm just going to go on to Amazon. I bet Amazon will have them. And they did. Um, that is so wild. I've yes. never seen <laughs> Yes. So uh, listeners, this is, uh, you can see uh, how connected we are as sisters from another mister that this is, uh, uh, we've got cobalt blue uh, drinking glasses, which uh, on a personal basis, I just, this is just kind of a quirk that I have. I do not like drinking out of, I don't like drinking out of plastic. Um, and I, you know, really don't, uh, I don't like drinking out of metal either. So I've got even my, uh, big water bottles that I'll use. Um, there's a, they had them at Costco. I had this glass and it's got this silicone sleeve on it so that if you drop it, it's not going to shatter into a million pieces, but anyhow, so we digress. So <laughs> those that are, uh, have done radio or any type of talk before you've got to have some water with you to not, um, Otherwise, you know, especially in Arizona, it's so dry. We go from there. But but talking about let's going back as far as with the business, um, you know, it's interesting because some of the very basics of business some uh, and the basics of running a financial household, a lot of times people don't understand. They don't get um, is let's you know, you start at the very beginning as far as the balance sheet. You know, you talk to somebody who's just getting ready to start into their business and they're the entrepreneurs and you say the word balance sheet or a profit and loss statement and their eyes glaze over. They totally get a case of what my dear friend, God rest her soul, Joyce, uh, she passed away, but Joyce used to say they had a case of Mego, my eyes glazed over. <laughs> so, um, so, so 
so with that, um, so in terms of, so you're going in, this is that history. So you've got your MBA on the job, so to speak. So, so tell me more about as far as the journey, as far as the, the next step then, because I know you are living your passion right now. It's really well, I am. Cool. and kind of, you know, and that was, that was a very, you know, masculine driven, um, masculine only forms of leadership really, mm -hmm. um, except that as a company, um, actually that wonderful managing partner that I was so close with had been working with this coach for at that point, even like 15 years. So at this point, I'm like 25 years who was bringing, who was coaching him and then ultimately me in how to bring more of the feminine side into leadership. So it isn't just masculine only. And it's the same applies to sales. Like it's both. It, it's not that women, you know, tend to sell more feminine, you know, in a more feminine way. No, actually most women have been trained by men. <laughs> so how they're selling is more masculine, masculine only forms of power and energies. And working with that coach and then getting introduced to uh, a workshop series about how masculine and feminine survival instincts are getting in the way of life and specifically romance. But I would like go to this workshop and then I would get back to the office the next week. We were in person um, the next week. And during my session with my coach named Pete, he would basically translate everything I just heard about romance into business. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Yep. I mean, even, even the men and sex, which was more about you and your body image and intimacy. And like, there was no, like how to people. Always yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you know. they'd be a little uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Probably one of the more profound courses. Cause you really know yourself a lot better afterwards. Um, but even that he translated into like essentially competition between women in the workplace, because there was an element on the romantic side where women compete for men and blah, 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 like, right. So really fascinating. And then when I started my business, um, knowing that I was going to coach some on the marketing, sales, communication, branding side, but also bring in this masculine and feminine survival instinct work and how it showed up on the job. It was like my second networking event. And I, and I was alone. Oh, and you what? I, I was alone all of a sudden, like, oh. just, like the little group just broke up. It was just a moment. What I know now, it was just a moment, right? We had been talking and then, you know, so the group kind of peeled away and I was not talking to anyone. The feminine survival instinct is to stay connected because if we were connected to the tribe, to the other cave women at the cave, we were safe. The fear is we're going to disconnect. We're going to end up ousted from the tribe alone and exposed to yes, the elements, but also wild animals potentially. So very quickly, the neural pathway in our brain, which is like this, the information superhighway, y'all, um, goes from I'm, I just disconnected to I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And networking, speaking, selling, video, all of these elements in business confront that fear of, of disconnecting and drive to stay connected. And because I was a couple, like a year and a half into this work, no, two years by that point, two years into that this work by then, and knew what this side of myself felt like in my body, because it, it is very, I mean, it's fight or flight, it, it's body tension. Mm -hmm. but, but I knew that 
when it was just a little bit triggered because like a lot triggered, you can tell they're angry, yes. they're yeah. upset. It's obvious. That's the easy one. The nuanced one. And, and it's one of the things I work on in feminine sales power, my event, but also with clients one-on-one is to start recognizing what it feels like in your body when it's just a teeny, teeny, teeny percent, just a little and, bit off balance. So when it's a little bit off balance, tell me more about like, like how does that show up in our results or lack thereof? Yeah. Well, if it's several different ways, it can make us play small and kind of shrink in the moment or shrink and go, you know, like you're already shrunken, but you go to the networking event or into the sales conversation a little diminished. Um, it can look like we overcompensate and kind of, I call it a proving energy. Like we have to psych ourselves up so much that we come across a little as like school marmy. That's what I see in the videos is they're like, well, you should listen to me. Because oh. you know what I mean? And I'm like, yes. nobody's buying that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Oh. Um, and just kind of like a cocky attitude, not understanding that, you know, you can really own your power without it coming across like you're trying to diminish others. Mm. I mean, that's that's how we hold our space, as, as I call it. And it, you can punk out on your offer. I was talking about that with a coach of mine yesterday. Like you get to the point in the sales conversation when it is time and you have earned the right and you've heard all the things that make you know you can help them and you don't make an offer. And then you don't say anything. Yeah. Yep. It also comes out, right. It also comes out in like insidious ways that we don't even know. I call them power leaks. Oh, I have okay. a laugh. power leaks. That's an interesting term. Yeah, I have a laugh and it's like a three tone, like, ha, ha, ha that I will do when I land just a really profound sentence on you, like, or concept or thought, and it is good. But I'm a little worried that I just went out onto the tiny branches and I lost you because it was that good. Oh, and I, okay. Or I connected a few dots, you know, connected four different like industries <laughs> or something, cause I'll do that. And it's, um, it's essentially a nervous laugh. When I mentioned it to my dad, he was like, oh yeah, that's your nervous laugh. I'm like, could have told me. You could have like, told me. Awareness, yeah. awesome. <laughs> okay. you know, because now I can hear it. Now I can stop it. And a lot of the times I can feel it bubbling and say, no, should, uh, and I'm going to hold the note. I'm going to take a breath. That was profound. So that although that's a, that is huge. And taking that breath, and this is something listeners, please jot notes on this, but this is something... That's also happened. Um, I, so I've trained other, a lot of people, both in real estate sales and also in the mortgage lending industry. And sometimes what happens, I'll see people like, like I've heard the yes, they're, they're ready to go. I've heard the yes. And the salesperson or the person that has the product offering just keeps talking. They just keep talking. And then they've, you've lost them because what I, and I've shared this several times in the mortgage and lending industry, like I can totally geek out on you. I am a numbers person. I love numbers. They, they, it's, I can really go off on the edge there. Engineers love that. Attorneys love that. They, you know, a lot of people, unless they're hardwired that way, they don't want that much information. And so trying to, as you're building your sales, no matter, I don't care whether it's money or widgets or whatever it is that you're doing. One of the things that I have taught 
people and I need to also continuously teach myself because like the, the teacher always learns more than the student, right? Is to allow there to be silence because the silence is that, that ability to have that silence. That is often the time that people are processing some of what you're said in, and then if you interrupt that, they don't get a chance to make that decision and you may have unknowingly triggered a problem like you interrupted them and it takes them back to their childhood of where mom or dad told them to shut up. Yep. yep. And so you just talked yourself out of a sale because you kept talking. Yeah. Now holding that note after you make the, you know, the monetary boom, like, you know, set the price or say the price out loud at the end of the offer. You gotta, I mean, my first sales coach, it was, it was drink water. It was literally on her thing. Like, Oh, that's a great talk. You can't talk if you get in the habit of drinking water after you say the price. The that is a great tip. Brilliant. That is brilliant. brilliant. At this point, I don't need my water. I'll, I'll hold the note. But I think when you're just learning, because my thing is like, you know, and I think you're talking about after there's been some chit chat, but it's clear that we should seal this deal and call it done because um, it is. Um, I'm talking like even before they've said anything is I would at first I would say the price and then I would ramble into a few more things or a few more benefits or you know what I mean? And I try to like stack it up, like, you know, bolster, reinforce or that's not the word. What is the word? Prove essentially, you know, document um, why this should be, you know, that price or whatnot. And but it is in the moment you're talking about when there has been discussion. That holding the note, it can be huge. Actually, at the eWomen conference a couple of years ago, the last time we had it in person in Dallas, um, I was on the Rise team, which is in essence, you know, there to facilitate the sales. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And it was near the end, last day, and two gals were deciding whether or not to join us. And they were just standing there kind of at the table. I was there. And then we had our concierge lady who's awesome, but very new and green when it comes to sales. And they're kind of, they're sort of looking at each other and, you know, they're trying to decide their partners. Um, and I'm just sitting there watching them just like holding space for them to get clarity because that's what we do. And the concierge bonds in, in an attempt to stay connected. She didn't like the silence that was making her uncomfortable and she wanted to connect. So she said, yeah, I went through a divorce recently too because one of them had, and I was like, no, hey, oh, oh like they were conferring like with their eyeballs, <laughs> you know, and um, they were about to say something more definitive. And as it was, suddenly we were talking about the divorce. Um, they did end up purchasing, but not to like the next day at noon. Oh, so they had to get you know back I mean? to that connection, that eyeball to eyeball. And as far as with the information. And regroup with it and then yeah. make the decision because we lost the moment. But I was like, please don't do that again. <laughs> That's a coaching moment um, yeah. for, for anybody. It's, it's really important. And I think about... It's, it's funny. So let's talk about the word pushy because I hear this with women more than men, although I still hear it with the men sometimes, but they'll say, I'm just, I'm, uh, let's see, a couple of ways that they say it. I'm not a salesperson. I just like to provide good service. 
Okay, so what about being a salesperson means you don't provide good service? Uh, I'm not a salesperson because um, I just like to educate people. Okay, you know, so so talk about where did sales get the bad rap and why do some, why do you think, I, I have a saying that I'll tell, tell women, I said, look, do not tell me that you're not in sales. You're in sales all day long. No, I'm, I'm just a mom re-entering the workforce. I'm like, oh, so you don't know how to talk your children into getting dressed when they don't want to get dressed? How about going to bed? How about, you know, whatever you do as mom things? Those are all leadership skills. And those are all sales skills because nothing more powerful than trying to sell a two-year-old into going to bed when they don't want to, right? And they're like, oh, they've never thought about it that way. So tell me what you're finding as far as when you say people as far as pushy, because you'll say sales to somebody and they think plaid. (laughs) Um, Well, I think where it comes from is a lot of people selling poorly, selling in a way that is pushy, selling in a way that is slimy. And that's then kind of mushroomed into a perception that that's the only way to be. Because here's the thing, y'all, when I say masculine and feminine, you will notice I'm very deliberate. I won't say women and men. I will say masculine and feminine 99% of the time. If I'm trying to distinguish something specific to a woman, I'm, I will use woman, but only then. I am not mixing up. I, I see a lot of people who even coach around this who merge those terms and masculine and feminine is like yin and yang. It's the the push or the pull, it's the drive or the receptivity. And it's in us all, regardless of gender. Thank it's, you for saying that. It's that by Say that one more time. That one, bears repeating. It's, at, it's in it for everyone. Yeah. Regardless of gender. Regardless of gender. Doesn't matter. We have access and we can develop both of those sides. Usually we don't need to develop the masculine side. That's doing just fine. Like that's like, okay, like that is modeled. There are masculine forms of leadership. There's masculine forms of sales. We got that covered. What we need to learn, what we need to have modeled, what we need to study and and develop habits. I mean, one of my things is there's a lot of folks talking about feminine power, but as far as I know, I'm the only one talking about how to set up a life, a business, a day, a calendar, a strategy to support us being in more balance where we're, yes, we're leading with the masculine sometimes because you got to ask for the sale. That's an inherently, you know, that's a very direct question. That's masculine. But 80% of the sales conversation is spacious. We ask a bunch of questions. We let you explore. A whole section is around possibility and your goals. Very feminine. It creates so much connection. Very feminine. If we let it be. And if we trust ourselves enough to be, but I think the, the perception is just, and, and what you bring up makes me laugh. It's one of the reasons why when I do, um, I don't think I did it when I spoke at the Tucson chapter in December of eWomen, cause I did a little bit of a different talk, but one of my talks I will talk about, I'll say at the beginning, like, guys, I'm going to talk about sales really bluntly and directly because I've learned how your survival instinct is going to mellow out by this is not to call it sharing or educating or inspiring, but to call it what it is until it doesn't trigger you anymore because 
you know, the word gets people cranky, you know, and people come to me like, oh my God, it was a pitch fest, like an event or, you know, she made an offer. I'm like, you got to work on that. Like if you're triggered being sold to, you're going to be, have a really hard time selling, selling to others. That is, yeah. that is really, really huge. Um, so uh, listeners, I just wanted, um, again, we're at the top of the hour. I just wanted to say again, you are listening to the Tucson Radio X podcast, Healthy, Wealthy and Wise. I am your hostess, Karen Fisher, and I am a loan officer with Summit Funding. People sometimes ask me what I do and I'm like, you know what? Yes, I sell, but I connect people to money, resources, and everything because that's that's what I am as a connector. And I have my very special guest with me, Sarah Michael, who is the owner of Sparkling Results and really does all kinds of things from business coaching to classes to there's a lot that you offer. So we're happy that you're here. So let's dive into some more things so that people can, you know, I want I, one of the things that I really like is that people listening to our podcast will take a tactic and implement it. Like I, I've had several business coaches and, and it's funny that you're saying about the masculine model that we see a lot of that model. A big part of that came from the sports model because um, and it was really, uh, you know, I don't have a problem saying I'm going to be 62 years old and I happened to, my mother got me involved in gymnastics at a very, very young age because, um, first of all, I had the body height or lack thereof because of it, but I also was a climber. I climbed on everything, drove my mom nuts. She's like, I, I gotta, she's gotta I learn how to fall. Teach you know? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yes, but I was really blessed because from the time I was about four years old until I was 18, I had a, um, a pretty major injury in college, but I had coaches, multiple coaches in gymnastics. And so when I went into the business world, I've had multiple coaches in business and a couple of really instrumental things that I heard. One of the biggest, uh, very, very early in my career was from, and he's written a um, great book. He's still around. Tommy Hopkins is his name in sales. And he said, negative information is free. You Mm -hmm. need to pay for positive information. And he said, if I can, if you can leave this room today, seeking the positive information, because that that negativity, um, it's it's just going to attach itself to you. Okay. The other thing that I heard from one of my another business coach is a secret of success is to is speed of implementation. So take an idea, and you're not going to execute it perfectly at the very beginning, but with feedback, which is one of the things I know you provide a lot of. But with feedback and coaching, you can get a little better every single day. Like the first time that I have done radio on and off for 25, no, it's more than that. It's about 35 years now. I'm always learning, always learning. But the way I talk now compared to that 35 years ago is radically different. And so with that, tell us some, you know, some juicy nuggets of like really great takeaways. Yeah. So I think the, the, the main thing to 
realize here we've been uh, we've set up pretty well the you know that it's that we all carry both masculine and feminine forms of power our our sides we all have it regardless of gender and it then becomes a moment by moment choice of do i need to make a direct offer and shut my mouth or do i need to sit here and smile nicely at them because I can tell they're deep in their head and they're thinking through some stuff. It, it, do I need to lean back? Like literally some of it can actually be in physicality. Do I need to lean forward a little bit to, you know, propel the energy? And also, so both just moment like situational and what's going on in the conversation and the relating and also the person. So I have, you know, lots of clients, definitely lots of clients over the years. And there would, you know, sometimes on the same day, there would be a gal, she'd come to me, you know, she's kind of doing the same thing. Like she's making the same mistakes. She's, you know, made another offer for way lower than what we talked about last time. Um, and, um, and, and it could be the same situation even because that happens a lot um, because of the survival instinct will cause us to, go low, go little, like try to figure out what they're going to say yes to. So we stay connected. But with one of them, I would say like, I, I call everyone by terms of endearment, like, honey, you're doing it again. And I would say it like that, because if I didn't say it like that, I wouldn't get their attention. They need a little pressure to just hear me sometimes. Two hours later, another gal, same situation, let's say. And I have to say, honey, you're doing it again. Can you see it? I lowered my tone. I dropped my pressure, if you can tell. And I also added a question onto the back to give some space for like, you with me? You can, you know, some input. Whereas the, the first, I was just like, this is going on. <laughs> and knowing that the second gal, if I'd been that, if I'd used that much pressure and was that definitive, she would have kind of crumbled. She would have okay. shrunk. And then I'm not going to get her best self. I'm not going to get all of her going forward. Probably not until the next time. <laughs> like she might recover by the end of the call, right, sooner. But, you know, I've developed, I've been doing this work for almost 15 years and I can bounce back very fast, but it didn't start that way. You didn't work that way. No, well, and this is, a, a, and I think definitely talking about exactly that tonality makes a big difference because what has happened and particularly accelerated since the shutdown with the pandemic is that instead of people meeting face-to-face, -face, yes, we're two-dimensional now, which is definitely better than just being on the phone and is better than being an email and certainly better than text. But still, um, we're 2D. We're not 3D right now. So there's still some things you know, that, that I, I know gets missed. And so you've got to be a, even a bigger listener, but what you've just shared isn't just if you're trying to sell a product to somebody, but what about if you're trying to build up your team? Yeah. Oh, it's very important for team. I mean, that's where the stuff for sales and marketing. Yes. But yes, it's for team. It's for, um, how, how do you motivate a team or an employee in a way that gets them gets them to want to do their best work for you and want to perform at their highest level for you. And it's not for you personally, but like for you and the goals of the company. 
And it, it really is crucial when, and, and knowing like, am I talking to a man at who trend, and this is where we're all individual and it's all inside of us, who trends relatively masculine when it comes to communication. So he likes very direct, concise, say what you mean, mean what you say and get out, right? Someone, and it could be a man, trends more feminine, they're gonna use more details. They're gonna have more words about that. So knowing who you're talking to, knowing what you need to get them to do or do better or whatnot, or even just understand. And then just reading the individual moment by moment, because- I, I love that. Well, yeah, and that yeah, definitely and, works with uh, with couples as well, because I've learned, uh, Scott and I, I just, I still can't believe I'm saying these words. We will be married 39 years next month. I'm like, how is that possible when I'm only 22? <laughs> like, how's that happening? But there are times, you know, Scott is, my husband is a brilliant businessman and he does, you know, and he has worked in international sales and marketing his, you know, his whole career. And so he, he has dealt with not only tons of employees, but also lots of different cultures because he's international. So the way that his companies, when he was in Germany versus the way it operated in Taiwan versus the way Costa Rica, very, very different, right? Mm -hmm. Well, back to this as relating as a couple, I have to sometimes say to Scott, and I've learned this is how he's taught me to be direct. So, cause well, this is his way of teaching me to be direct. He'll say, get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes Thanks, you feel like you're just disconnected. Yeah. And what happens? Yes. And so, <laughs> just a little. So, what I will say to Scott, and this is definitely help, I was like, I just need you to listen. Okay. I, I can filter some things. Sometimes I do want his opinion right. um, and advice and counsel. Can you take a look at this? What do you think about this situation? What do you think? But that's a definite takeaway coming full circle for the people that work with me as far as my support team. Because if you think about what's happened within the pandemic, all of a sudden, any of the stressors that were happening in anybody's lives, they were amplified. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, um, I will say on a personal basis, I acknowledge this very much because of, you know, I, I wasn't homeschooling kids. I didn't lose my job. I had more business than I could handle, which created in and of itself a problem. And I was doing the, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, because I felt empathetically, I felt like I'm so lucky compared to what's here that I didn't acknowledge what I too lost during the shutdown and the pandemic and, um, you know, some, some broken dreams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I think, I think that's part of, I, I think that's why this work is even more kind of resonant since the pandemic is we want some realness. We want some space. We, we, you know, I don't know how you've managed a team. I, I had, um, uh, a gal I know who got like a bad performance review to do with something that honestly, I think that the manager should be, should have been providing a ton of space for because all of our brains have been overly taxed. I mean, like let's talk survival instinct. There's been a part of our brains that's been scanning for danger at a heightened level, whether or not we're aware of it or not. 
It has been, y'all. If you think there, you know, the virus was real or not, it doesn't matter. Scanning for danger up there. Yes. And, you know, I, I've said since the beginning, our bandwidth was lower. Like what I could accomplish was lower. Well, like how much energy I had, all sorts of things. But I also think it's made us forgetful and there's a bit of a brain fog and, you know, like, oh, you know, I missed that. So it was all stuff that she just like a few drop balls, less than three dropped balls in a year. Right. And she got dinged for it. And I was like, oh, my God, how do you not have some compassion, which is more feminine space, which is more feminine to know that, you know, we've all been through a lot in the last year and maybe we're going to keep an eye on it because it wasn't great and mess some things up. Right. But I understand. Just watch it. Just be aware of it. Right. Yeah. Something a little more tempered around that instead of just like, oh, you got a two on your, you know, like attention to detail piece. And, but to what you said, like about your husband and the conversation, so, or with an employee, or even maybe, or not even maybe, like if you were making an offer to a, to a man, um, and it was a complex offer where you're going to have to use some words, like, you know, complex slash high investment, like it's $20,000, you're not going to make this offer in four minutes, you're going to make it in seven or eight, you know, and even that's kind of fast, yes. but really on the phone, I wouldn't want it to take much more saying to them at the beginning of the conversation. Now I'm going to lay out the whole, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the lay of the land. Um, I am going to want your opinion, like for your husband. Um, But when we, before I wrap up, you just listening to me and me just kind of laying stuff out and what I'm thinking about, what I'm feeling before I wrap that up, I'm going to remind you of the key points that you need to understand in order to give me your opinion. Because then the masculine can listen, I use that deliberately, can listen without trying, is that, was that important? Was that important? And that's how the masculine will listen. Is that important? Oh, is that crucial? So they're kind of in this like, oh, 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 instead of just like, I'm going to listen to you now. I can trust that you'll give me, you'll let me know when I should be on point really, you know, and you'll just be like one, two, three, four, five, should I do this or whatever, or what do you think about this? Going to Las Vegas, you know, whatever. I, I um, love it. I, I just, that is uh, some very, very tactical pieces and things that, that people can um, take away. And um, as we're starting to grow and do some of the things within our industries uh, across the board, what, what with some of your clients, what are you seeing as far as some of their challenges that they're having? And I don't mean just COVID. Uh, COVID certainly has had a, a huge impact on everybody as we were just talking about, but what else do you see like a commonality? Well, they often come to me needing needing help really improving. Most of the people come to me already having a sense of the sales conversation, but they've learned it, even if it was from a woman, <laughs> a woman who taught it to them, a more masculine style, and they have never dug into and really understood what it looks like and how they can you know, leverage their, their feminine side in their sales and, and their marketing for that matter. And they're also usually trying to chase the wrong business model too soon for where they're at in business. So expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to. So I see it, there's three phases of business. The first is like, you're getting, you're getting your words together. You're getting proof of concept. You're selling some stuff, you know, and, and you're getting out there. You're making it happen, right? Um, you're doing it one-on-one. 
primarily one-on-one, -on -one, one conversation, one client, or one networking type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, stage two, you're ready for some leverage in a one-to-few. So you hear one-to-one, one-to-many, one-to-few. So you want to put eight people into this group program. And you can also start to potentially sell to um, to many. So speaking podcasts, like, you know, those kind of more leveraged marketing strategies. So there's leverage delivery, y'all, and there's leveraged marketing. I, yeah, just make that super clear. And then there's stage three, and that's scaling. And that is when you're doing one to many and you're packing programs or whatever, because um, you have that you have that uh, audience and you have those clients already, you know, ready to go. And the thing is people in stage one or stage two try to level jump to stage three. And here's where it matters. In stage three, what you're primarily selling is a high quantity of a low cost something, something. And that's great when you can sell a thousand of them. It's not so great when you're going to sell two with work. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so they leave or they don't even get to because some people start, I want to scale. You can't scale, scale zero, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> and scaling 25K, not, no. Because you need both the income and the audience size or the ad budget for Facebook ads, which don't even always work, y'all. So like, don't bank on that. Yes. Like give yourself six months to a year to refine that, to make sure. And even then that's going to cost you a lot of money in ads. So without those two things, we've got to grow organically, even if we use a few paid ads, but grow our list, grow our audience, grow our JV relationships. So people who are promoting us are bigger and bigger. And then finally step into scale and that kind of lower priced, higher quantity model. You can't build a business like that. Not if you have to pay the bills. And I had both the horror, I guess, or the or the advantage that being I'm a single girl, I'm a single girl living in LA, and I really didn't want another job I didn't like. And and I didn't know how to sell when I started my business. I'd done marketing, communication, branding for years, but I was petrified of sales, y'all. Just so you know, I've come a long way, and you can too. Um, I really didn't want to sell. Um, but I did know that I needed to from my bankruptcy days, as I call it, I was like, you got to learn to sell. This is not going to work unless you learn to sell and pulling that in and knowing that focusing on higher ticket saw that very quickly too. Although the first thing, my first coaching program was lower price, higher quantity. And I was like, ah, that's not going to work. That's not going to, that was my first. And then, so first revelation, that's not going to work. <laughs> Second was you got to learn to sell because you need to be selling higher ticket. And, and I was, and that is a nice sustainable business model for those growth years. You can pepper in group programs as you grow, but I implore you don't do that until you have filled your one-on-one -on -one practice again and again and again, like yes. that you yeah. do that on demand. Cause one time is just like the, the beginning show whether you're going to hit a sophomore slump. Like I've been in business 10 years, y'all. I've talked to so like thousands of entrepreneurs at this point, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to learn to sell and then even in market. And then even once you do, you know, make sure you can do it again and again and again. Yes. Cause I myself took my, I, even with a high ticket group program, 
I started focused on that and it sold okay. I got six or seven people in, but it didn't make 40K and I wasn't marketing the one-on-one. I wasn't focused on that. So now that's ebbing off and tapering off and I'm going, Crap, I can't pay my bills. Well, and, and it's, you know, and I'm, I'm in a, a very a unique world because I'm responsible for lead generation, but the federal government stepped in to the compensation. Um, and so like I get paid, like my, it's a weird thing to think about it because and when it first came out, I'm like, did we just move into communist Russia? And I wasn't aware of it. Um, in the lending world, kind of, yes, because I am capped uh, at my income. So whether I close a $375,000 loan or a $1.2 million loan, I get paid the same. Wow. Okay. But the clients that come sometimes at that higher end price, they don't know that it's in, and, and it's not logical in, in logic would dictate that you would get paid a percentage of the loan amount, but that's not the case. So it's, it's a cap at a, at a point. So that brings us as far as some of the things. So what are some of the mistakes that you see that people have made? Like you, thank you for your transparency of saying, look, you've did marketing and communications. And I see one of the biggest mistakes for a lot of entrepreneurs. They think marketing is selling. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a huge mistake. There's a lot of collapsing of what this is. One of the things I offer is the seven essential money-making conversations flow chart. It's one of my freebies and you can just find it. Or Ooh, we've whatever. got this on the website. We want to make sure that everybody takes advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that link for sure. Because I noticed collapsing of conversations. Like when we spoke last week, that was like a connection conversation. That's number two, right? So the initial conversation, the connection conversation, what I call turning a friendly conversation into a, com- a sales conversation. What was that last part? The- turning a friendly conversation into a sales conversation without it getting awkward or weird. There's a process. Like, yes. Because it's possible. And, and then the sales conversation and then the offer conversation, then the money conversation, because they're different, even though that's all one conversation, those last three sales offer money conversation. And then the follow-up conversation. And because, yeah, like we think that, you know, every conversation we have is sales and that marketing is sales and they're all trying, you know, often trying to market those low price things with the click and buy link. So nobody clicked my thing. No one wants to buy my thing. Like it, it's, it's, it just is so discouraging. And then they stop their business. And then they stop their business. business. And, and, and I can't deal with, they, like, I want you in business. Yes. And I want them in business too. Cause it, it, I, I see people hiding yeah. and I see, and one of the things it's kind of interesting. Like if you look at the whole mortgage world, the majority of employees in the mortgage industry are women, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but the majority of the employees in the mortgage world are not in sales. Right. They're not the loan originators. They're not the ones responsible for generating the business. Right. And I'm here to tell the audience everywhere, the money is in sales. Okay. And it breaks my heart when I see people because they think of this vision. And that's why I think it's so critical to have your, you on my show and that conversation. They think that 
oh, I'm not good in sales. I'm just going to stay in operations. So they stay as a, as a, as a processor, as an underwriter, right. as a doc preparer, which are, they're all important. Those are all important jobs, but don't let your voice be silenced. Um, I have, I, there is a dear friend of mine who's in San Francisco and she had actually been an underwriter for years. Yes. There's many underwriters that actually do have a heart, right? <laughs> Um, and she didn't think she would be good as a loan officer. And we're, you know, she knows guidelines inside out, upside down and backwards. She knocked it out of the park oh. when somebody said, okay, if you don't, and this is just words with you being in English, this is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't like the word sales. I'm just going to say, okay, you're, you're in service. Just act, just replace the word service if it's that distasteful for you, you'll eventually be able to say sales. But if it's really distasteful for you right now, then just say service. And it was, it was interesting. I mean, she just went with her business. Yeah. I think that can, I think that distinction around sales and service is a very, very good one. And as I said, I will generally like, and yeah, and I could see myself giving someone that kind of space, like do what you need to do, but you know, I'm going to be calling it sales to you. Yes. I'm not going to be, doing that too. Yeah. Because, because my doing the sales thing will help you start doing the sales thing too. Yes. Both actually doing it and feeling comfortable with even the word. I mean, one of my jokes is it's not, it, you know, it's just like Harry Potter when uh, Dumbledore says, Harry, stop calling Voldemort. He who shall not be named. You're giving him more power. The same thing. Think about that. Yeah, that just gave me uh, chill bumps. Just the same. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it's the same Giving thing. Sales, woody, wobbly, weird. I'm afraid of it, or whatever the stuff is. Um, more power, that part of ourselves, than just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, she's selling, I'm selling. I can say no. Yeah. Well. And I, yeah. Anyway. And that's one of the, um, it's funny, one of the, uh, I've, I've followed Jim Rohn, uh, listeners, J- Jim's last name is spelled R-O-H-N. Um, you know, it's sad that he gained his angel wings a few years ago, but his writings are still there. And one of the um, best things that I've ever heard, and it's, uh, it's actually it was copied in Life's Little Instruction Book too, is always buy Girl Scout cookies. There's nothing better than, you know, and it's really interesting um, as far as with sales, when you watch young children learning to truly sell, it's really, really great. Now, one of the things that's been a problem, and that's a whole topic for a whole other show, is because the the parents are trying to help their kids. And so they're taking the, the sheet or the sign up, whatever, to the office for them. The kids aren't selling. And as a former troop leader, I'm like, I will never buy Girl Scout cookies. I will not buy Girl Scout cookies or anything from a kid that if the parent is presenting it to me only. Now the parent could be there for safety purposes, especially old old days door to door or whatever, but no, you got to ask. And there is a great gift that there is a friend of mine that gave to our daughter who's now going to be 30. So here she is, she's like, she's gotta be in the first grade. And I, I said, she says, she had asked me, will you take me to your office to sell? I said, absolutely. Um, but remember, I sell money. I don't sell Girl Scout cookies. So you have to do the talking. So I'm taking her around. And she gets this one friend and um, they said, well, sell me, sell me. She turns and looks at me and I said, 
I don't sell cookies. You sell cookies. Well, so she proceeded. And at that time, she's very shy. She has her head down like this. And she proceeds to do this. And they said, no, go ahead and look at me. They were being gentle with her, but really doing it. Mm-hmm. So the next year, they unleashed the beast in her. Because the next year, when it came around to doing it, our girl sold 751 boxes of Girl Scout cookies. This is in the days when they would deliver to your house, then you'd have to take it everywhere okay, and right. stuff like that. Cause she'd go, she'd say to them, then she was say, it was hysterical to watch. She says, would you like to place the same order that you did last year? Or would you like to increase it to give them as gifts? I was like, Oh God. So, yes. Yeah, so Good. anyhow, yeah. So, so I want, um, so you, we are, you're going to be shocked. We're, we've completed our hour. I know. I it's know. like completed, but exactly. I want, it's going to be posted on there, but the, the number one, um, just leaving our listeners with a couple of things. Tell me what's the first thing that you would say, okay, this is intriguing to me. Where do you want them to go? Oh, this is intriguing to me. Where do I want them to go? I would love for you to check out the flowchart, which I mentioned, which is sparklingresultscoaching.com forward slash flowchart. And also, uh, you know, you can check out, I have free trainings coming up. And although this is going to be around for a while, and um, that is sparkling results coaching dot com forward slash sell dash like dash a dash girl. Oh, I love <laughs> yeah. it. And and then my feminine sales power event is coming up in late June and I run that twice a year. So um that would be feminine or I'm sorry, sparkling results coaching.com forward slash FSP feminine sales power. I love it. I love it. Sarah, you are such a joy. Um I'm it, it's just been so much fun having you as my guest and I'd love to have some additional connections and you and I will definitely be having some additional conversations. But in the meantime, again, this is Karen Fisher. You have been listening to Healthy, Wealthy and Wise with my special guest, Sarah Michael.